Let's go to the Skype Maker Hotline and uh, bring uh, Mr. Michael Hitchporn on from the Lepanto Institute. We have some very interesting stuff to talk about with Mr. Hitchporn today. And uh, we have apparently we have we have reached Pachimama 2.0. Um, uh, with uh, uh, with uh, some recent developments here that the Lepanto Institute has been covering. Uh, Brother Hitchborn, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Church. How are you? I am well. Good to hear your voice. It's good to have a voice. Uh, yesterday, I didn't have one. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, cold? Yeah, I woke up yesterday. Uh, I went to a wedding over the weekend, and when I woke up, I was just feeling dog tired and and i had a cough and my voice was down Shigong. <laughs> yep. well um since you were uh, you were out this weekend and you might have gotten to hear the part of the uh, the john kirby martha mccallum conversation here uh what's going on in israel betwixt the uh the israelis uh, the israeli defense force now and whoever it is that's in the armed forces in gaza and in palestine we do know this we do know that the israelis are are, are planning a ground assault you have every neocon that's worthy of the neocon stripe over here cheerleading on a mass genocide they just wipe palestine or wipe the Gaza Strip from the face of, uh, of the map here. Today, Mike, I don't know if you heard this, but we learned today from Colonel Scott McGregor and others that you know why these, the Israelis were caught with their uh, uh, napping or with their pants down? Because they sent all their weapons to Ukraine. They oh, didn't wow. have any weapons. The Iron Dome was off. Saturday was the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur massacre, which started a war back in 1973, and no one knew about this? So, while all this is going on, they're putting the regime leader out to pasture at 11 o'clock yesterday morning. Um, This is just a, uh, the world's leaders, uh, the institutions and leaders, including the Vatican and the leaders in the Catholic Church, all just seem to be just the greatest assortment of nincompoop boobs idiots uh in the history of of all recorded history don't they sure well you know it's it's very interesting you think about what happened with the uh, the riots and things like that throughout the united states you had a bunch of people deciding that they were going to go join the blm riots and they were going to burn down a bunch of institutions and they were going to set cars on fire and whatnot you had business leaders that were or business owners that were actually participating in the revelries and what happened while they were gone, people were looting their stores. Uh, and this is, uh, this is, I think, analogous to what happened to Israel. It's just, it's, it's mind-blowing that you would take your number one defensive asset, knowing full well that you've gotten a, a, a very volatile neighbor, series of neighbors, that will do anything to, to take you out, and you're going to take that asset and move it way away, uh, basically effectively leaving your doors open for, for attack, and then you're surprised by this? Yeah. It is the element of surprise. Surprise, 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 Sergeant Carter. Uh, no, you're not surprised by this. 
Uh, how is it that almost every uh, person that is uh, that that views this sort of stuff, that is like this guy that I just read, a defense analyst or someone that's former military, like uh, Colonel McGregor and others, because Judge, Judge, Judge Napolitano was just as surprised as I was when Colonel. You, you want to hear what, what he told? You want to hear what the, the Colonel told the judge? I think you'll find it interesting. Sure. Uh, we'll have to get it queued up here. But Judge Napolitano goes, I didn't know that. And I'm screaming in the background, I didn't know that either, Judge. And uh, just as you said, it was the, you know, here it is. Well, I think the Israelis simply did not believe that this was possible. And even if they saw some evidence for preparations, I think they dismissed them. And what's really tragic is that, yeah, I suppose you can't expect it every year for forever. But 60 years after the 73 war, there was no formation uh, in the south. I'm talking about an army formation. No formation up north facing Hezbollah either that could then have uh, been rapidly moved in to annihilate these people. They wouldn't have gotten them all, but they probably would have gotten most of them. But there was really not much there. And the Soviets seemed to have been relaxing and enjoying the holiday as well. So Israel is not adequately defending itself. Uh, its intelligence services are in Ukraine. I didn't know that, although maybe you or Larry or Ray has said that before. I didn't know it either, Judge. Uh, I guess serving the CIA and the Ukrainian um, uh, intelligence service, its, um, its Iron Dome wasn't operating, and its troops were asleep at the switch. How could that be? It's surrounded by people that want to destroy it. Well, remember, the Israelis had also shipped enormous quantities of 155-millimeter artillery ammunition to Ukraine at our request. And that ammunition has been very important to Zelensky and his crew. I think Zelensky forged something of a relationship with the Israelis, and that relationship may well have distracted them from watching their own borders. We don't know. But the other point is this. You you can see evidence for something. You can see indicators, but you can then also deceive yourself. We deceived ourselves, and we got the Battle of the Bulge. There were lots of people who saw things happening. Reports came up from the lowest level, but the senior officers involved didn't pay attention. For whatever reason in Israel, the decision was made that there's nothing to worry about, that they can cope. And they were wrong. And I'm sure that Mr. Netanyahu and his administration will pay a price for this. I'd be very surprised if Mr. Netanyahu is not gone in the next few weeks. So, um, Michael, there you, you have it that the Israelis' the Iron Dome wasn't up, wasn't operable. Uh, Saturday was, guess what, Lepanto Day, the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Um, every Muslim, every Orthodox Muslim on earth knows what happened on October 7th, 1571, don't they? One would hope. <laughs> you, you would think you and I know what happened on July the 4th, 1776, don't we? Exactly. So uh, uh, the, the the Ottoman fleet, the Turkish fleet, was sank to the bottom of the, uh, 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 over 100 of the 300 uh, ships were sank to the bottom of the Mediterranean and the, the Gulf of Lepanto. Another 100 and some odd were completely, were rendered completely useless. And then less than 100 actually made their way out of there um, with the Holy Fleet. In chasing them, and many of them were were chased down, and were were boarded, and 
and uh, the uh, en- enemies on there uh, on board were killed. So, so people in the Muslim world, especially the Orthodox, they know exactly what happened on October the seventh. You know, I don't know why in history I never picked up on this, probably because I don't study Middle Eastern affairs because it's just too complicated, and I have enough to keep up with here in Louisiana. But, but, but it would make perfect sense for October the 7th to be a vicious, violent Muslim uh, a day to attack infidels, whether they're Jews or whether they're Christians. It would make perfect sense to me. Uh, same here. I mean, if, if anything, you should always pay attention to the days of vengeance that the uh, Muslims would be looking for. So why would you leave your back door open on those days? It's just... Well, and the fact that it was the 50-year anniversary of when they were last attacked in 1973 on October the 7th. So uh, there doesn't seem to be any coincidences here. This seems to me, uh, I'm with with, with Colonel McGregor here, that the the, the Israelis were just like, there's no way, we're invincible. They won't even, those idiots wouldn't even attempt it. Now, here we are, and I'm cracking jokes about the Gaza forces and their super high-tech hang gliders and their G.I. Joe boats that somehow managed to crash the, the, th- the third most powerful and certainly one of the most, if not the most, advanced military on Earth. What does that say about preparedness here in the United States? You don't think they could pull that off in Norfolk, Virginia? In the United States, it'll be a little different. Obviously, they don't have uh, a nearby platform from which to launch missiles and that kind of thing. In the United States, it would be massive terrorist attacks. And we've been under the threat of that for quite some time. Yep. Yep. So, just to kind of uh, wrap this up and then then bring it over to where we could talk about what's going on at the Senate on Senatality. Um, uh, If you start stacking all of this up here... You know, there is something that's missing here, and it's missing today. Where is Big Frank? Why isn't Big Frank stopping his little silly circus and his Pachamama 2.0 infatuation? Why isn't he stopping his silly circus and doing what popes have done since St. Peter, which is make a pronouncement, tell the warmongers to stand down and facilitate and lead, if even possible, a negotiation that you want to stop you want to stop this bloodshed you want to stop the killing and let's work out some peace deal if there are people that need to be held accountable for war crimes or whatever um, that are that are in Gaza then do so uh, no one is saying that they shouldn't be held accountable I certainly didn't say it but where is big Frank at well nobody told him that ordinance causes global warming <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's with Biden then. He, 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 they put a lid on him yesterday then. Apparently. <laughs> but isn't this something historically that a pope would uh, might get involved in, at the very least, making a statement or an appeal for peace? One might think. Uh, one would think so. But, you know, how long did it take him to say anything about the, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine? And then he, um, uh, and of course, then, then, when he did say something about it. Um, uh, again, I don't know why I have high expectations, I guess because he is still the Holy Father, but uh, uh, there wasn't an awful lot to that either. Nope. 
Nope. He, uh, it, it's, it's amazing how he is the most outspoken pope in, US, in world history uh, on just about any matter, including the death penalty. And uh, when it comes to something like these invading forces, uh, these, these vicious attacks, he, um, he is oddly silent. Now, can you tell our listeners how this new Pachamama thing got into Big Frank's hands and what Cindy McCain has to do with it and what is this monstrosity? So on October the 4th, which is the... Let's see, that was, this is 2023, so that would be in the four-year anniversary of the institution of the Pachademon in, in the Vatican Gardens. Yep. Cindy McCain, the wife of the late turncoat John McCain, yep. uh, visited the Pope, and I'm not entirely sure why. I think she's the head of world food something or other for, for the U.N., and uh, she presented him with a gift, as one does when, when they visit the Pope. And uh, the gift that she gave him is this funky little statuette of a dark figure, so a completely black face with yellow eyes, uh, a food basket on its back, dressed in traditional Indian garb, and wielding a large, bloody knife. It's a very strange thing to give to a pope. Uh, it turns out, now, there, there was some speculation online. Several people uh, mistakenly identified it with uh, one of the Kachina doll uh, types, which is a, uh, and they, they said that it was the priest killer, Kachina doll. <clears throat> and they did so because the priest killer Kachina doll also wields a large knife, and it's called the priest killer because in sixteen hundred, in in the sixteen hundreds, uh, there was an uprising of the Hopi Indians against uh, Catholics, and uh, they beheaded one of the Catholic priests. And so, ever since then, it's been hailed as a uh, a symbol of of. Uh, I guess, war or strife against the Catholic Church. Well, that wasn't what it was. Uh, I very carefully examined the various attributes of this thing. And, and you have to, you know, if you were to look at a whole slew of different Byzantine icons, mm -hmm. a lot of them look the same. You know, you've got a lot of uh, desert fathers, long beard, dark robes, giving a blessing, you know, it's they look very similar, but in iconography, there are certain attributes that are attached to the Byzantine icons that help you to identify who, who the saint is. And these attributes have to do with something from their lives. Mm -hmm. So if it's um, St. Jerome, for instance, you'd see a lion in there. Or if it's, um, <clears throat> uh, oh, I don't know. St. Anthony of the Desert, I think that there's, uh, the, you see that there's a cave in there. But or a crow. It's like, the crow was bringing uh, him bread. Right, right, right. So there are different things in iconography. You have to look for the clues. And everybody was kind of focused on the bloody knife, and they didn't really look to the rest of it because, quite honestly, these things are alien looking. Uh, and, and it's not something that the Western world typically would understand. So as an artist... 
I like to look at all of the different attributes. Okay, what is this? What is this? What does that mean? What does this mean? And I noticed that this thing's carrying a food basket on its back. And I said, okay, so what uh, Kachina doll from the Hopi tribe has a knife and a food basket? And I started looking at all the different things. I found that there's a, <clears throat> an ogre woman, a black ogre woman, uh, called the Nataska, which has some of these attributes, but not all of them. And as I was digging some more, I found that there was another ogre woman called the Soyoko Mana. Now, the Soyoko Mana has a very specific attribute, and that's the butterfly um, way of, of doing the hair in the back. It looks like these four palms in the back. Right, right. And that particular form is to show that she is an unwed woman. She's not yet married. Okay. So, And, and, and she's the only of the Kachina dolls that has that particular hairstyle. So that combined with the bloody knife, combined with the, uh, the food basket, we were able to pretty quickly identify this as the Soyoko Mana. So here's the story of the Soyoko Mana. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read it to you from, sure. uh, from one of these sites. And it says this, the spirit represented in this figure is called Soyoko Mana by the Hopi. This figure is distinguished from other ogre women because of her butterfly whore hairstyle, which indis indicates that she is not yet married. She carries a knife and a crook and has a basket on her back. These items are used to catch her prey, which are children, and carry them away. Children are expected to provide food for her, and if they don't, they are told she will eat them instead. So, of course, she is a disciplinarian of children, teaching and frightening them into good behavior. But the fact of the matter is, regardless of whether it's supposed to be a, 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 a horrible creature that you scare children with to make them behave properly, it's still a demon. It is a demon. It is a demon that feasts on children. What else is interesting is that, so the children are supposed to give her gifts of food in order to keep them from eating the children. Do you realize that the Pacha demon um, also re requires sacrifices of food in order to have a bountiful harvest? And if not food, sometimes child sacrifice? So there's a direct connection between the two, even though they're not the same Indian tribe. The Pacha demon is from the Indian, um, uh, indigenous Indians of, of the Amazon region <clears throat> and, and the Andes, the, uh, actually down in the Andes as well. And um, this, this demon, the, the ogre woman called Soyoko Mana, is very similar in, in that she also demands a sacrifice of either food or children. And she goes around and she's a terrifying visage and, and a horrible thing. So now Pope Francis has both of these things, and they were both given to him on the exact same date. Wow. October the 4th. And they also just happen to be given at the opening of a synod. <laughs> in in 2019, it was the opening of the synod on synod, or, or the uh, synod of the Amazonian synod. So here in 2023, it's the opening of the synod on synodality. So it's a very 
odd set of coincidences. It's also the feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, so pick a high feast, uh, a really a powerful saint, uh, 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 a powerful saint's feast day. Well, can I tell you when I saw it, because I didn't even know about this until I saw it on your twatta yesterday. Can I tell you what I see in the Sequoia Omana? What's that? In the, uh, uh, from the frontal view? I see breasts and a vagina. Well, boom, boom, boom. Right there. I see a sex figure is what I see. In addition okay. to the bloodlust for the children. So if you look at it, uh, that's, uh, and I'm not trying to be gross or crude or anything, but these things are gross and crude. Um, uh, that's, that's what I see. Um, uh, and is it uh, <laughs> the only difference this time? Uh, they gave, what, three Pachamamas? Three or four Pachamamas came for our, for the uh, the last synod. Yeah, I don't know how many they had. Um, <clears throat> well, three. I could tell you at least three because uh, Alexander Tshugul threw all three of them in the in, in uh, um, uh, into the Tiber. In the Tiber. <laughs> so we we know there were at least three <laughs> that were there. Um, so Cindy McCain is so. Am I to believe then that Cindy McCain is a Catholic? I I actually don't know. She may be. And I'm wondering um, uh, uh, about that because obviously her connection to <laughs> uh, scare everybody, Obama, Obama, we're gonna try, bomb, 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 Iran. Uh, John McCain was uh, he was he he was just he was not a nice. He was just he was an absolutely reprehensible human being, um, yes. and you know she uh, was an heir heiress. Um, I believe her father owns uh, either one or several of the big Anheuser-Busch distribution joints in the state of Arizona. Um, so she she always had the money. She's the one that, that, that helped fund the campaigns. And, of course, her detestable daughter, Megan McCain, um, uh, I don't want to scandalize any of them, but uh, this is all part of the public record, <laughs> I think. And now you're giving demon, child-gobbling um, uh, uh, idols or icons to the Holy Roman Pontiff, the, the, the Bishop of Rome, and he accepts yeah. it? What the hell is going on here on my, on, what is going on here? <laughs> well, that's that's the question of the hour, isn't it? I, I mean, the, I don't even know what to say about some of this. I'm, I'm with Jason Whitlock. I look at it and I go like, dude, I'm as clueless as you are. Um, right. Maybe the human race has always been this screwed up. We just didn't have the technology to, to know it. Um, uh, I hope that's what it is, and that this is just another <laughs> this is just another mild epic here. But it sure seems to me as though if the world uh, wasn't crazy enough, that it is certainly working hard to, to to get more crazy. Well, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh... Well, you know, as as goes the church, so goes the world. And, and I find it interesting that as we find <clears throat> more bishops and cardinals at war with each other, because there is a de facto revolution within the church, the more conflicts we see rising up all over the world. Um, and and I, I think that once it gets into a full-blown open fight in the church, we're going to see the rise of World War III. 
If we're not already there. If we're not already there. You might already be there. Right. I mean, that's the uh, point. All right. I want to ask you, have you ever heard of this work? Let's see here. I sent it to Brother Andre, and Brother was in disbelief. (laughs) Okay. The work is called The First Global Revolution, a report by the Council of the Club of Rome. Hmm. Never heard of it. No. Okay. It came out in 1993, and the Club of Rome was formed in 1968, according to the uh, uh, to the entry. I found the actual work, you know, and I'll send it to you in Signal. I found the actual work at archive.gov. You can get the PDF version of it. And I stumbled upon this because I was watching Roman uh, Balmakov's uh, No Farmers, No Food, Will You Eat the Bugs documentary, which I highly recommend to everyone. Um, okay, there's a, there's a link. I just sent it to you. Um, and uh, as I, as he was interviewing one of his colleagues there from the Epic Times, the guy tells him, he goes like, well, look, this is Roman. This has all been planned. This will you eat the bugs and the end of, the, of humanity um, uh, being exterminated by actual human beings. This this was part of a plan. And Roman goes like, surely they, 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 they didn't plan it out and write it down. They go, oh, oh yeah, there, there have been several publications. Because, but if you want a recent one, get this one, uh, the plan for a global revolution, as I uh, sent it to Brother Andre. The first global revolution, a report by the Council of the Club of Rome. Now, as soon as I heard the Club of Rome... Me being the intrepid um, uh, uh, investigative uh, uh, journalist, Catholic investigative journalist, what was my first thought? What was your first thought when you heard Club of Rome? Well, I mean, immediately I start thinking of cardinals. <laughs> okay, so I start thinking of cardinals, and I start thinking of secret societies. Oh, of course, yeah. That we're not supposed to have, right? And right. that they chose Rome. Why would you? Why? Why would you call yourself the Club of Rome, unless you were either a you were purporting to be Catholic, or b you were out to maybe I don't know you had some nefarious intentions for Catholics and for Rome because Rome hasn't been an empire since what the fifth century. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I, I don't remember exactly. I, yeah, it was about the 5th century. Okay, so um, uh, there is a... I mean, the Holy Roman Empire was a continuation of the Roman Empire. It was just under a different structure. Okay, so if you if you find this book, which, by the way, you can buy at Amazon. Not, not, not shocking there, because you can buy anything at Amazon. Um, on page 115, Mr. Hitchman, you will find this. Uh, under the uh, on the chapter titled "The Vacuum," and under the subheading "The Common Enemy of Humanity Is Man," I, so Roman Balmakarv is like, I'm stunned. He goes, I don't even. In, in the, this is in the documentary. He goes, I'm stunned. He goes, I bought this book. I started reading. I got to this, and I'm like, I can't believe what I'm reading. So obviously, he, he has not been. <laughs> he has not been let in on the secret that you and I know all too well that the, the, the they're not very secret any longer, but that the Masonic Illuminati secret societies, the spirit cookers, and all the rest of them are out there conspiring right now with Beazelba, Baphomet, and the boys. Uh, 
uh, to harvest and eat as many children. That's why you get your idol there from Cindy McCain as they can or as they wish, or maybe even as just an in, until the supply runs out. And in doing so, uh, in the course uh, to try to bring about an end to the uh, to the one true holy Catholic and apostolic church. And then if you do that, then you're going to be able to bring about an end to mankind. Because there's one thing, you know, I talked to H.W. Crocker yesterday who wrote the book Triumph by the 2,000-year glorious history of the Catholic Church. And if there's one thing that almost every person in the world uh, knows a little something about, it is who the Bishop of Rome is and his importance. If you Almost anywhere in the world, if you go and say the Pope, they know who you're talking about. Right. Now, you can't say that for anything. There, there is no other human being. I don't care how famous they are. There is no position in the world that is more famous, even the president of the United or the presidency, that is more famous, and this is fitting, isn't it, than the, than the Pope, the pontiff, the supreme Roman pontiff, the bishop of Rome, etc. Well, that's well, intentional. Here's something that's interesting. You you cited page 115 from this this book, The Common Enemy of Humanity is Man. Yes. Let me read what it says. I was hoping you in, would. <laughs> in search for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine, and the like would fit the bill. In their totality and in their interactions, these phenomena do constitute a common threat which demands the solidarity of all peoples. Doesn't that sound like Laudato Si? Oh boy, does Hattie does it. And uh, it, it says, uh, but in designating them as the enemy, we fall into the trap about which we have already warned, namely mistaking symptoms for causes. All these dangers are caused by human intervention and it is only through changed attitudes and behavior that they can be overcome. The real enemy, then, is humanity itself. <laughs> and then the next chapter is titled The Human Malaise. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you, now that you've seen this, you're going to want to dig into this. Read the introduction. You're going to find out who these clowns are. Um, there still is the Club of Rome. Uh, you know who they chose as their first mascot was, or their first uh, uh, grand poobah, whatever you want to call him, uh, Prince Philip. Uh, this is back in the 1960s. Um, I don't know about, enough about Prince Philip, but I believe that he is in the line and is related to um, uh, to Prince Andrew. And uh, we all know a little something about uh, uh, about Andrew. So, um, again, I just discovered this yesterday. So uh, forgive me that I don't have all the, uh, the, the, the knowledge uh, requisite here, but there is a quote from Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, message to the 20th anniversary conference of the Club of Rome in 1988, quote, no generation has ever liked its prophets, least of all those who point out the consequences of bad judgment and lack of foresight. The Club of Rome can take pride in the fact that it has been unpopular for the last 20 years. I hope it will continue for many years to come to spell out the unpalatable facts and to unsettle the conscience of the smug and the apathetic. Close quote. 
And then in the other place where, uh, where he's only mentioned once, but he was the uh, the speaker there. So, again, I don't know anything else about the Club of Rome, but the name and then the fact that, that it's man is the problem. This is very Gatesian stuff here, isn't it? Very much so. So, uh, are you reporting anything else on the Senate? On Senate, you know what I told my listeners, Michael. I told them last week. I said, "Please, I'm going to give you guys some advice, unsolicited. You don't have to take it, but this is my advice to you. My advice to you, especially all of you Catholics, is to do the following during the month of October. Don't go on social media, and don't take any of the bait." about what's going on in the Senate of Senate, on Senateality. There's nothing you can do about it. You don't get a vote. You can't change it. The only thing that you can do is lose your joy, get angry, get frustrated, and maybe even leave the faith. So, hashtag pray harder, and just don't worry about it. St. Pio, pray, hope, and don't worry, because there's nothing you can do. If, if they do what they're sounding like they intend to do, there's nothing you and I can do about it. It's, as, as Father Wolf likes to say, it's, it's Jesus' church. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. Um, this human error will be corrected. There will be a future council or a future pope that will either authoritatively pronounce or a council will take what this is and will correct it and abolish it. But that's the work of the Holy Ghost. The church does that. You don't do that. You're laity. So don't get Do not let them steal you because what they want you to do is they want you to become a All Saints Day, Christmas, and Easter Catholic, and they want you to turn your back because of the human element that is so screwed up in the head that it's almost as though you have cardinals that are hanging out with Marina Abramovic. So, well, because you do. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, you do. I, try, I forgot about the Coke spirit cooking party. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here, okay, so my take on the Synod, excuse me, is basically this. Um, It has zero authority. It has zero magisterial weight. It has absolutely no value to the Catholic Church whatsoever. None. Zero. Zippo. Zilch. So whatever they decide there, they're going to use as a bludgeon to push whatever stupid, god-awful agenda they've concocted for the church. Mm Mm-hmm. It has no weight whatsoever. And when they do come out and they say, well, the Synod decided this or the the Synod decided that, and so therefore that's what we're going to do in our dioceses, just expect they're going to start putting the smackdown on people who hold to the faith, and they're going to start trying to institute a false religion and, and recognize it as such. And that's really all there is to it. So, if um, if we look at what they're trying to put forward, and we just recognize it as the rebellion within the church for what it is, right? And we hold fast to the truth. We, you know, try to keep our our local pastors and parishes on track. Then that's the best we can do. And and uh, in the meantime, keep your children catechized. Don't let them 
hear the the horrible, terrible nonsense coming out of the the hierarchy of the church, recognize it for what it is, and and move on. I think that's uh, that's that's good advice. I think it's sagacious. Uh, <laughs> I think there's some there's wisdom in that. Um, and if this were happening 200 years ago, even 150 years ago, uh, you would not have had the ability, uh, the, the guy that was stopping to say Angelus with his wife as they were working out in the field because two miles away they heard their parish church bell chime noon, that guy wouldn't have known about any of this. And, 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 and quite frankly, he probably wouldn't. I mean, he would care, but he wouldn't think that he had any role to play in this. His job was to stop and say, Angelus. <laughs> and if they stopped for a meal, his, his job was to stop and say the blessing before the meal. That was his job. He was, In other words, he was just supposed to act all Catholic EE and stuff. Um, and that's the best, folks. That's the best that you can do. There is nothing else. There are a lot of charlatans out there. They're going to try to lead you down the bad. We need to do this. I just, I think Michael's right. Um, uh, it has no weight, has no authority, and you're under no obligation to obey it or even or to entertain its practice. And anyone tells you that you are, they're just wrong. And as I said, Jesus' church, uh, he's in charge. He knows what he's doing. He'll, he, he will work this out. He will correct it. Well, I think that and you have to believe that. To ha- yes, right. I, I think that he's allowing it to happen because, um, well, in order to show his majesty, his glory. It's the same thing he did with Kor, Dathan, and Abiram in in the Book of Numbers, number sixteen. You know the story where uh, the three men, Kor, Dathan, and Abiram, appeared to Moses and said, "You know what? I don't understand why we need you to be the the high priest. We can actually worship in the same way that you do and and do it on our own and and it'll be just as acceptable to God." And of course, Moses threw himself on his face and he started begging mercy on behalf of those three and God said, "No, no. Go ahead. Let them open up their their own tent. Let them uh have their own sacrifice and their own fire and 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 see what happens." And and you, Moses, you simply continue on with the faith as, as I gave it to you. Hmm. So that's what happened. You had two tents, two tabernacles, effectively. And Moses offered the sacrifice in one tabernacle, and Kor, Dathan, and Abiram opened the sacrifice or held the sacrifice for uh, in a separate tabernacle. And when that happened, the earth opened up, swallowed everyone that was in the tabernacle directly into hell so (laughs) i really think this is the same kind of moment that's what we're going through right now a bunch of rebels are are effectively saying you know what we don't need to do all this uh catholic stuff we can we can actually wed the world and and uh baptize uh sin and and it'll be great and god's saying fine go ahead and set up your own tabernacle and your own fire and see what happens um, Rod Dreher, the uh, blogger, had a has a Catholic friend that wrote him the other day, and pretty much told him uh, similar to what you just said, and then he goes, uh, he goes, uh, he writes Dreher, and he goes um, something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing. Well, uh, note that that a lot of these people's ira is directed at bishops and at laity here in the United States. 
And the reason is, is because of all the things that have gone wrong in the U.S., there is one thing that has gone spectacularly, very swimmingly well. And that is that sacred tradition has gotten a foothold. It's here and it's not going away now because now you have families like the Hitchborns with eight children that are being raised in it. You have uh, Ave Maria 472 with 11 children. You have my friend uh, uh, right down the road, uh, Rusty Lamott. The Lamotts have eight children. Now they uh, five of them are married off and they have grandchildren now that are filling the pews of Father Glaude's um, St. Joseph in Plais- uh, Church in, in Plaisance, Louisiana. Every every uh, every Sunday morning, Michael. That's that's three generations. That's Papa Lamont. That's the son or the daughter, and then that's the grand. That's three generations that are now in the pews that know what a rosary is, know what a catechism is, know what a high holy feast day is, know what a day of obligation is, know what a mortal sin is, know when you're not supposed to receive, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That can't be undone. The bad guy, the enemy knows that this can't be undone, which is why he's raging now at the end of their mortal lives. You know, you and I, you pointed this out once. These are all a bunch of 60s. These are a bunch of acid-dropping leftover hippies, LSD-dropping uh, LSD hippies from the 1960s who are enjoying their last and final orgy uh, sex, uh, uh, sex and drug binge here. So um, I think that that's what's uh, the, 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 that's what's going on, and 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 did you know I, I talked to Canon Moreau yes on Sunday, the Institute for Christ the King, um, they're having a hard time teaching the young men that are coming to their seminary because it's starting to grow now, right? In Boston, Massachusetts, one of the most Hades-forsaken former Catholic strongholds on earth, in the neighboring town right next door, you have the Bishop of Worcester, and guess what you have now, two, uh, two weeks old now, you have an Institute for Christ the King actual chapel there now. I will guarantee you that, because uh, I can see it in Sulphur, Louisiana, where there once was 50 people in that church, where Maggie and I were going on Sunday, now there's 200, and there's two masses that they can go through. So there's five, uh, 350, 400 families now uh, that, that make up the Institute of Christ the King in Sulphur, Louisiana. Tradition has come here to these shores now, and, 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 and Michael, we know that it's successful because the F- FBI is out to get us. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so I know you concur uh, with all that. So uh, be don't be sanguine about it, folks. But under but recognize that that is a good that has happened here on these shores. They can't say that in most of Europe. Okay, the European bishops are at the synod on synodality. Most of them. <laughs> Most of them, yeah. So they can't say that. They can say that a little wee bit in the UK. There are parts of France, but then again, there are bishops in France that are like uh, going like, "I don't want any Catholic stuff here in my entire diocese. I don't want rosaries said before masses." One of them said. Uh, I mean, so uh, <laughs> I hope that. <laughs> well. I don't want to wish evil on anyone, but um, uh, um, I, I think that I will rather enjoy uh, popcorn and a frosty beverage uh, while watching the re- the video replay off someone's iPhone of the earth opening up and bad people being swallowed by it. Uh, yeah, I 
I expect it to happen at this point. I really do. Well, you know, we tempered this with the news uh, with, from uh, from many quarters that we also expect that there are uh, that there with the uh, admission of millions upon millions, as I said earlier, of dark-skinned young military-aged males. No one knows these people, and no one knows where they came from. We know that they're going from the country of Maturina. Maturina in Africa, and they make their way to Maturina. They fly from Maturina to uh, to Berlin. They fly from Berlin to Managua, Nicaragua, and then from there they make their way to the southern border where they are met by coyotes. This is all called this is all called immigration tourism, and the instructional videos on how to pull this off are on TikTok. They have tens of millions of views, and this has been successfully done now hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of times. So we know. Know that we have been invaded. There is an invasion. As a matter of fact, it's not stopping. So there's. I don't know what anyone expects from this, but I don't expect anything good from this, and I don't expect there to, that, that this is a mass assimilation event either, and that this is you know the the, the new melting pot. You know, I, I expect that horrible, terrible things are going to come out of this. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I think that uh, the more you play with the demonic, the more things, uh, <laughs> the, the more you're going to spread it throughout the world. It's just kind of the nature of things, isn't it? Uh, well, it is kind of the uh, nature of things. And you're right. When you start messing around with that kind of evil, um, <laughs> I can't believe it. she gave him a demonic idol. Do you know where I it know. is? I don't. I know that uh, she gave it to him in the same place where all the dignitaries greet the Pope um, in Rome. So I, I don't know what room that is. So that's where it was when it was photographed. But where it is now, who knows? It could be in a desk drawer. <laughs> it could be in the Vatican archives. Maybe they buried it underneath the uh, the same tree where Pachadema is. I, I don't know. Uh, but there is no doubt this is a demonic symbol. Uh, no doubt at all. You know, uh, they're having all their, their, they're going to be having all of their uh, unrighteous celebrations, um, not today, but on Thursday, um, what should be the uh, commemoration of, of, of Columbus Day. And of course, you know, it'd be Indigenous People Day. There's a great cartoon that I just saw today. And it is, um, it is a couple of Aztecs that have a, uh, they have a victim who's on their altar, the knife has been plunged into him, and the, the, the witch doctors of the Aztecs are standing around and they're holding the, the, the freshly moved, removed heart from the body of, of the human sacrifice victim. And then one of the Aztecs says to the other, oh look, the far right wing has arrived, and it's a Catholic priest, a Franciscan monk, and the <laughs> conquistador. The radical right wing wing has arrived and uh, just right. it, it's 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 fitting for the day um anything you want to tell our audience that you're working on at the lepanto institute this week uh we do have a report coming out this week on Je jesuit refugee services which i think everybody will find interesting okay um <clears throat> it's a very long report but it proves uh, absolute malfeasance on the part of this organization so that that'll that's forthcoming uh, I've also got an investigation going on in an organization in Milwaukee. Hopefully, I'll be able to get that out this week, too. And meanwhile, we are working on our major, major series of reports that are going to be released in November. So that's that's still in the works. Um, 
and I'll, I'll let you know more as we get the reports more to uh, more ready. Oh, it sounds good. Find all that info, folks, at uh, Lepanto, L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N.org. Two uh, uh, corrections here from earlier. The, the, the country is Mauritania. It's M-A-U-R-I-T-A-N-I-A, Mauritania. And also, um, there was a report, and we aired it yesterday, or I talked about it. There was a uh, report that a Orthodox church had been uh, blown up in Gaza. Um, uh, St. Uh, Por- uh, Porf- uh, Porphyrus. Uh, Orthodox Church, and according to you and several others, uh, this is a false report. That church was not destroyed, and the pastor of that church uh, sent a letter out going like, no, no, we're still here. Uh, so, again, just if you thought the St. Porphyrus was destroyed by the Israelis, uh, we need to correct that. That is not the case. Um, uh, and again, we report things um, from what we think are reliable sources in real time, because we—that's what we do here. Uh, and sometimes uh, it turns out to not be the case. But I always correct the record. So those two things wanted to throw that in. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, go to LepantoIN.org, sign up for Michael's email list, and uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Keep up the, uh, the great work, my friend. God Thank bless you. you. And, uh, ho- hopefully I'm, I'm uh, not as, as uh, much of a space cadet next, <laughs> next time. <laughs> oh, we have plenty of uh, satanic, demonic, uh, a- alien flying saucer things uh, to, to, to talk about. We'll save it for next time. As they say, it's a target-rich environment. It is a target-rich environment. <laughs> we don't even have to go looking for it. No, it kind of like comes no. and finds you. It's it's like uh, Chesty Puller said when uh, when when they said, uh, "Sir, we're we're surrounded on all sides," and he said, "Great, now we know where to shoot." Yeah, we have the, we have them. They they have us surrounded. Great, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, brother. God bless you. We'll see you in two weeks. All right. God bless you. God bless your audience. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, it's Michael Hitchborn of the Lepanto Institute. 